Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have Adrian Chu. Adrian is a all-in-one real estate professional in the greater Seattle area. Adrian, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Definitely. Adrian, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got into real estate? Yeah, definitely. Um, always, you know, I've, growing up, I was always very interested in real estate, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember back in middle school, I got a hold of the real estate fundamentals textbook. It's the pre-licensing uh, textbook for the real estate license and mm-hmm. just intrigued by it. I read it, you know, I remember this was like seventh grade um, class. I would, you know, when there's free time, I'd go read the book and mm-hmm. you know, fast forward um, to about, I think I was 18 or 19 when I mm-hmm. started taking the real course to, you know, get my real estate license. Mm-hmm. Um, partly, you know, just always interested in investing, you know, even through middle school, high school, um, always paid attention to the real estate market and the trends and always wanted to mm-hmm. buy something of my own, you know, at some point in life. And um, so part of that was, you know, getting the license. And so I got the license in 2010. Mm-hmm. I was still in school uh, at the University of Washington studying electrical engineering. Nice. And in parallel, Going back to when I was in high school, I tried to plan out my academic schedule to see how I can, you know, speed up um, when I can buy my first property. Mm-hmm. So in in Washington, there was a program. I think there still is today called Running Start, which oh, wow. basically lets you skip uh, the last two years of high school, so junior and senior year of high school, and you can take. Mm-hmm. Know, college classes mm-hmm. uh, instead so I, I opted for that route because I felt you know by doing that I could finish school earlier mm-hmm. and get into real estate sooner mm-hmm. so I end up yeah so I end up graduating from UW in 2011 mm-hmm. I was 20 at the time awesome yeah and um, started working in the tech industry because that seemed to be the logical path. You know, I studied electrical engineering and um, I decided, okay, I'm going to work in the tech industry. So (laughs) I was actually in the Bay Area, uh, Mm -hmm. San Jose, actually, from 2011 to 2012. That's kind of I got started in the tech world. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, at the time, it was like, oh, cool, Silicon Valley. You know, I want to be there. So... You know, I spent a year there, 2011 to 2012, and then I ended up moving back to the Seattle area um, in 2012, mm-hmm. mainly because, you know, first, I'm originally from there, and second, there were more real estate opportunities in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, moved back in 2012, and just really, that's when I really started, you know, real estate. Mm-hmm. 
that's awesome, man. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it was in parallel with, you know, I continue to work in tech and then I treated, you know, real estate, both the brokerage, the investing um, mm -hmm. as a second full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think part of, you know, a lot of people ask me this question, you know, they have a full-time job. How do they uh, transition into doing real estate? Mm -hmm. And the first thing people say is, oh, how do I do real estate part-time? Mm -hmm. And my answer to them would be, no, it's, you know, you, yeah, you can do it part-time, but if you really want to succeed at it, you got to treat it as if it was another full-time job. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is just, you know, mindset and um, how much you're interested in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely, man. That's a, it's really good advice for people listening to it's like I feel like it's not just real estate it's anything that you do with anything yeah exactly yeah. like you know Asian hustle network like any kind <laughs> of hustle, you got to treat it as if it was a full-time gig not like a yeah you know, not a real side thing and yeah you know it's just the energy you put into it that that mm -hmm. really makes a difference it really so, so I could yeah so I continued um you know kind of doing real estate and uh you know the tech job in parallel mm-hmm for quite a few years until I transitioned mm -hmm. fully into the um, real estate business with the brokerage investments. And mm -hmm. along the way, I also got the mortgage license. I'd set up the mortgage business as well to kind of provide a one-stop shop experience for a lot of clients. And mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, be able to learn how to structure financing in the mm -hmm. way that it, you know, kind of accelerates the investment Mm -hmm. side of my life yeah wow that's really cool did your parents have any influence on this or this is all like a free will type of thing it's like you knew you were going a to little bit a little bit of course um but you know most of it is just my personal interest and, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean that's awesome man at Literally, what yeah. point did you decided that you're going to leave tech behind and do real estate full time like what i thought about it for many years but at Mm -hmm. The biggest roadblock for, and this applies to a lot of people, is when you transition from a W-2 job to becoming self-employed, you need, you know, for getting a conventional mortgage, you need two years of um, history. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of waited until, you know, I got that two years of, um, you know, solid mm -hmm. self-employment history until I jumped off the tech that's, yeah, that's really good advice too, because a lot of people, you know, there's always this misconception that we were just hopping into everything two feet first without setting up the foundation. Yeah. You know, I liked how, in some ways, you kind of gain the best of both worlds, you know, in your transition, which makes it a lot smoother. So I really like that approach too, man. But there's a trade off, you know, just it, it's, it's pretty intense to, you know, it is. You, it is. You know, two yeah. things, you know, put full energy into two mm -hmm. completely different things. Yeah. And the two. There's more of a lifestyle decision, too, at that point. It is. It is. Yeah. It's like you said before, everything's like a mentality, you know, it's it's how much you want it. If you want it bad enough, you probably make time to, to do it. And that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I'd say the, the biggest thing is really mindset. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It applies to, you know, any any kind of endeavor. Yeah. So what was your real your first real estate project like? 
And was it a flip? Was it, you know, your, you know, real estate agent deal? Like what was your first project like? Uh, my first real estate agent deal was back in 2010. It was a, a rental mm -hmm. for a friend, you know, where they, they wanted, they had a one bedroom condo north of mm -hmm. Seattle and they wanted to find the tenant. And so that, that was my first um, nice. real estate deal. Uh, it was like a six hundred dollars a month, you know, <laughs> condo. I had to help them find a tenant. And, mm -hmm. You know, it went pretty smoothly. You know, I remember just you know we post, you know, did some marketing, post some ads online, and we mm -hmm. got like ten people on the first showing to that's go awesome. see it. Do you have yeah, any that's how I started, and then yeah, um, yeah I went on buying mm -hmm. my own, you know, my own place. Um, mm -hmm. That was the next next deal and just kind of expanded from there mm -hmm. um, started out with a little condo in north seattle um, back then things were um, basically priced you know pennies on the dollar uh, so what was the pricing like and what year was this uh it's about eight eight or eight or nine years ago um, okay so about 2011 yeah 2011 2012 um the condo itself was sixty eight thousand dollars Wow, the condo conversion um, from I think back in two thousand and seven. Mm -hmm. so, so I ended up buying it as a foreclosure, mm -hmm. and um, the previous owner paid like two hundred something for it, um, mm -hmm. like sixty eight. And then, you know, two years later, I ended up selling it for one fifty. Nice. And I thought, hey, that's pretty good, more than double. <laughs> but you know, little did I know, if I waited. A couple more years, it become three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> right now, that things worth probably like three fifty. But you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Exactly. So after that, kind of moved into you know doing more condos, and then moved into single family homes, mm -hmm. um, flips. Um, one thing I kind of learned the hard way in the beginning, I thought you know flips are always good because you know you you buy, you sell it, you get some gains out of it. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, I think it's better to hold, um, mm -hmm. kind of wait for that appreciation um, to come in instead of just, yeah, I kind of learned this the hard way where I, I used to think, you know, fix and flip is an investment, but it really isn't. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing some work, you're putting some money in, doing some work, and then you get a payout and that that's it. Yeah. It, it's a good, you know, component of a, you know, it fits in as being a part of an investment strategy, but I, I would not consider it to be an investment. I think um, what would be an investment would be, you know, buy and hold properties. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of, you know, continue to see it grow long-term. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes too, as you mentioned before, it's sometimes great to hold on to your properties and kind of wait for the appreciation. But you do have to pay attention to your market too. Like you really have to understand, is it a great time to sell? Is it a bad time to sell? And yeah, definitely. Every market is different. You know, you have to kind of do your homework a little bit and talk to people and network and stay in Redfin like almost every day to kind of sense the vibes a little bit to make sure that, hey, like, is this a good time to sell? It's you know, a bad time to sell. But like you said before, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, yeah. I, I also believe in the power of now. It's like your money that you make in that moment can be used for different opportunities. And that's how you kind of have to think of it when you're investing. Yeah. In 
You can't just be, oh no, I lost 100k if I waited two years, you know? But you use yeah. that, that money you made to do other things, you know? And that's yeah. what people should think. Yeah, this is the opportunity cost factor is definitely something to keep in keep in mind. And I think, you know, that's why having a balanced, you know, investment strategy is, is good because you can kind of speed things up by, you know, you, so right now, you know, I, I do combination of several things, you know, mm-hmm. flips, I have some uh, new construction um, spec homes that I'm doing. And then um, also at the same time, some new construction buy and holds mm-hmm. and, you know, just regular rentals as well. The rental properties I look for tend to be um, properties that have additional development potential mm-hmm. with for buy and hold or to mm. you know close back so. yeah i mean you're pretty talented in real estate you, you know you really have your hands in every single aspect of real estate so can you dive into that part a little bit more like as you mentioned you dive you look for properties with, with development potential what kind of tips advice do you have for people that want to enter into this type of work and feel like how do, how do we go about it yeah, definitely. So I, I learned this actually from doing real estate brokerage and working with builders that, mm-hmm. you know, build homes to sell. So that's kind of how I learned the um, building side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that's a key part of the, the brokerage business that I do right now. I work with a number of builders in, um, you know, sourcing the land, helping them run feasibility, and then selling the finished homes when they're done building them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're actually expanding that into Oregon and California right now as well. So applying that system, we have, you know, builders that we work mm-hmm. with in each of those markets now. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, finding those opportunities, uh-huh. you know, as an investor, um, there are t- t- different ways to approach it. There's, you know, when you work with a professional builder, all they all they want to do is they want to get some land, they want to build the homes, and they want to just sell it right away. So the, the stuff they look for might be different than what you know invest an investor would look for, mm-hmm. depending on your time horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I I prefer stuff that's kind of in more up and coming areas where the zoning. Um, supports you know additional units but i don't necessarily have to build them out right away mm-hmm. property works as a rental until you know it's ready to be redeveloped mm-hmm. the you know what i i think seemed to work best for my case mm-hmm. no i think that, that's but, the best strategy you know yeah but i i think so part of it you know part of building and redeveloping if you want to look for options so they're basically you know three different options you look for land that mm-hmm. can be developed and you you go through all the development and you build something new so there's land without any existing buildings on there the mm-hmm. other option is to find you know a, a property that has an existing building that you can tear it down and you know mm-hmm. build build a new home or build multiple units or however you want to approach it the third case is kind of a hybrid scenario where there's an existing house on the property there's extra land on the property where you can keep the existing house and you know build additional units in the extra extra land mm-hmm. so you know those are the three kind of common routes to go and a big thing what really makes or breaks this is um land use the zoning code mm-hmm. uh, i think it's really important to understand 
the zoning code, like just know it so well that you can find optimizations that other people may not be able to find right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you dive into that a little bit more for our listeners who don't know what zoning codes are. Yeah. So zoning codes. So every um, jurisdiction, so whether you're in the, you know, there's a city or some, some areas are technically um, part of a count, at least up here in Washington, there's um, you know city and county jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes even your mailing address is a particular city, but it might not fall under the city limits. Mm-hmm. So you want to figure out what your jurisdiction is. Most of the time it's the city where your address is, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And if you Google, you know, your city name and zoning code, usually mm-hmm. the first result or first couple of results, you'll see a link to government website with really, really boring looking <laughs> text. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you'd want to scroll into the, um, zoning or land use section and in there you you know you start reading um, what what it says and mm-hmm. for, but before you do that you want to find out what's what the um, zoning code for your property is and then you read the relevant sections that apply to your property or the mm-hmm. property you're interested in mm-hmm. so as an example in the city of Seattle the, the city recently did a rezone about a year and a half ago where they turned a lot of single-family zone properties into multifamily zone properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's one of the bigger opportunities. Basically, a previously single-family zone lot is now multifamily, so you can build more units on there. You can you know, tear down the house, build units. You could keep the house and build additional units if there's like, extra space. So there are a lot of options to work with there. Mm-hmm. And the city of Seattle also revamped the ADU legislation. So what an ADU is, it's like a, it's called an accessory drawing unit. It's um, basically an extra unit that you can put on a property. Mm-hmm. And Seattle revamped the code so that um, basically any single family zone lot can have up to three units. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a pretty big game changer too. It is. Yeah, so basically any single family home, you could, you know, turn it into three units, you could build, you know, a detached unit on there, you could build an attached unit on there. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of opportunities there. And this, the sweet thing is, um, in the city of Seattle, you can rent out all three units without having to live in any one of the units. That's awesome, man. In a lot of, in a lot of cities, when they allow you to do this, you have mm-hmm. to live in one of the units. Yeah. So by, you know, loosening that, regulation you basically open it up to you know a lot more opportunities mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely i mean absolutely agree with everything you said too i really like that that strategy that you know you look for a property with you know building potential you know that's that's something that i i've been sort of doing sort of <laughs> i mean we always look for like an r3 or something which means that we can build like a triplex on it you know mm-hmm if we could buy like a single family house, it's like R3. That's like super great because your rental on that particular existing property can cover for your mortgage. This is all you need. Just cover your mortgage as you're going through the development cycle, you know, which is entitlement and getting permits and all that stuff. That process itself takes like a year or a year and a half or in San Francisco, it takes two years. Yep, definitely. And if you have that existing property continuously paying off your mortgage for you, 
you're in the clear, dude. And then when you tear it down and build more, now you're popping like crazy. And now you're not putting extra money for in, in for all the mortgages. You know, that's a really great development strategy that Adrian brought up. And it's really great that we've been using that strategy too as real estate developers, you know? And 100% what you Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one way to start. I mean, there are definitely multiple ways to do it. Um, yeah. It's just one you know, idea and it's, it's kind of the easier way to enter into um, the development space. Definitely, man. So let's dive into what is your most successful project and what is your least successful project? And what are some lessons learned that we can learn, learn from your experiences? Um, so I think part of it, yeah. So in 2018, we had a kind of a short term market correction. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the Seattle area mm-hmm. and um, kind of what happened is there a couple, you know, I had a few flip projects and a new build project um, that, you know, didn't sell at the time, you know, for the price we wanted. So what happened is I ended up converting them into rentals mm-hmm. and it wasn't the original plan, but luckily, you know, the, it, it worked, um, you know, it cash flowed, it ended up fine as a rental. Mm-hmm. So, in in retrospect, the lesson learned there was to, is to, you know, have multiple exit strategies. Mm-hmm. Be able to rent out the home if if you can't sell it, if that was your game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is you got you know you don't it's higher risk to pick you know pick a project where your only exit strategy is to sell. And I, I saw that, you know, a lot of investors ended up in that situation um, where they had an expensive home that doesn't make sense at all as a rental. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of stuck with it or they're forced to sell it. Uh, luckily, you know, the, the projects I had, they, you know, they were priced in a way where there could be multiple exit strategies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, renting it out wasn't the primary exit strategy, but it ended up working. Mm-hmm. So having that as a backup is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that could be expanded upon um, to, you know, you could rent it out to a long-term tenant, short-term tenant, mm-hmm. uh, house. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of different possible exit strategies. Exactly. And it's just good to make sure that, you know, for any project, there's an exit strategy that, you know, just in case things don't, you know, on yeah. what you plan. 100%, man. I, I agree with that statement too. It's it's so crucial for real estate investors to have multiple exit strategies. That's given like COVID too, you know? <laughs> yeah, it just happened like unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah, I mean, let's say for example, you buy a property, property just for Airbnb. Like, I hope, we hope that you have other strategies too, like rent it out, you can sell it, you know? <laughs> But not yeah, losing exactly. money. So it's crazy yeah. like how fast things can change too. And yeah. you never you can't predict these type of things, you know? You have to just be ready for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You see people that are getting smashed in like the high end development cycle. Yeah. Especially anything over two mil in the Bay Area, so it's kinda of slow, you know? Or anywhere. And if you don't have the right strategy that can you still rent it out and cover your mortgage type of thing? You're <laughs> like you're going to be in the world of hurt, you know, and yeah. that's, that's a common theme I, I've been seeing um, real estate investors make too. It's like, you don't, 
yeah you want you want to like get into a deal where you like if things change you can still shift around really quickly you know that's that's the longevity of things of course you have projects where you know the economy is great you have extra money just in case things hit the fan you can cover yourself you know yeah. but most of the time the margins you know you do multiple projects and your your reserves are gone <laughs> you know so that's a dangerous yeah. side too over leveraging so i agree i agree with everything you said man yeah so and then success one of you know so successful project actually one of them was you know was also um you know the ones i mentioned earlier the the, the um least success you know the not successful ones you know how yeah. i turned that into a potential you know success uh situation was um mm-hmm. You know, one of the flips, um, it didn't sell. So, you know, what I did right away, we were on the market for a few weeks and, you know, things weren't looking good, you know, with the mm-hmm. correction back in 2018. What we did was turned it into a co-living um, setup, so a rooming house. So mm-hmm. in Sydney, Seattle, any single family home can have up to eight unrelated people live there. Awesome. So that's awesome. You know, back back to zoning. Even if you're not building something, it's good mm-hmm. to understand the zoning code. So what we did is basically that you know we turned that home into a seven bedroom um, co living mm-hmm. house, and uh, cash flow from co living is you know way way above what we expected. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that that house actually worked really well, despite the fact okay it didn't sell when we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. We turned it into a um, you know, rental and refinance mm-hmm. it and actually, you know, it works pretty well. It's super, super high cash flow in the middle of the city. So that's awesome, man. I mean, that's it just it just comes to show like you have to have more knowledge too. Cause like the more you know about different strategies, like the more tools and toolbox that you have, you know, you can kind of shape shift into different situations that may not be favorable for you at the time but opens but opens up a new avenue for you to follow you know so right much. yeah definitely and i i definitely believe in that i definitely believe in you know continuous learning and mm-hmm. every day i'm learning something new too and in retrospect if i know what i know now if i knew what i know now 10 years ago then things would you know be a lot different but you know <laughs> That's what, we all, that's what we all see all the time. I knew what I knew now, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, but, um, <laughs> yeah. It's great um, kind of continuing. Um, yeah. It's improvement. Definitely believe in that. Definitely. So what are, what are some of your long-term and short-term goals in real estate? Uh, so right now, once you were, you know, I'm focusing more on uh, spec homes, mm-hmm. you know, building homes to sell instead of flips. and mm-hmm. Just because it's more, it's a, it's actually easier to build a new house than to flip an existing house. Sometimes it takes longer, but the processes and um, the uncertainty is actually less when you're starting from scratch. You know, sometimes when you're doing a rehab, a lot of surprises happen and you know, this and that, and Mm -hmm. actually there's actually more consistency and it's easier to build a new home from scratch than, Mm -hmm. you know, rehab sometimes. So yeah. I can agree with that. You know, from the, uh, you know, the brokerage side of the business, you know, we're already in the three states right now, Washington, Oregon, California, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of growing on the niche of, you know, finding land and selling homes for builders, Mm -hmm. you know, part of our, you know, another big niche right now. Yeah. Side. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. What is your so? What is your biggest source of motivation? What keeps you going every single day? I would say it's just interest and passion in real estate. You know, I was always interested in it. Um, you know, to be honest, I was never interested in the tech um, world. <laughs> even you know, when I was back in school, I felt like okay, it's okay, I can do it, but it's not something I'm you know passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I'm excited to wake up in the morning to work on, but real estate is so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fortunate to have found something that that's interesting yeah it's it goes a long way to i mean there's never there's it's not always sunshine and rainbows every day it's not there's a lot of um you know stuff people don't know about that happens i mean it's just yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff we have to deal with you know whether it's a renovation project or you know contractors Mm -hmm. clients you know Every day there's, you know, stuff to yeah. kind of, you know, problem solve. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, in the part of engineering is mm-hmm. problems and, you know, being able to apply mm-hmm. the experiences in solving problems in the real mm-hmm. estate space. You know, yeah. that's, that's one of the things. Absolutely. You know, and that's where, that's when your passion has to carry you through. Really? It's like your passion is the one that carries you through on rainy days. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was all sunny all the time. Anyone can do it. You know, it's always the bad times that really test you. Like, hey, how passionate are you? Can you keep on pushing? You know. Yeah, so, and I think you know the 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 um not so great you know scenarios are the best um, kind of learning experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that makes everything fun to you know. Everything anything comes too easy, kind of take it for granted. But right, and I think the most important thing is to be able to reflect on um, mm-hmm. adverse situations and being yeah. able to improve upon them. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point you brought up too. Uh, you know, it's uh, reflection is so important in anything that you do, especially real estate. You have to learn from your mistakes quickly because when opportunity comes, it comes fast, and you have to be ready for the next one. You know, over and over. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely, dude. Um, what is your favorite book, podcast, or any medium that you draw inspiration from? Um, well, a recent book I've read, uh, E-Myth, I think is a pretty popular book. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's, it's got good information um, for anyone wanting to grow a business. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it definitely, at least for me, it takes a lot of time to try to implement those in real life they're good ideas but um, i think it, it's got some good ideas in there and mm-hmm. want to you know implement more of them yeah i mean email is a great book because it kind of teaches you how to how to grow your business without you actually being there <laughs> you know and it, it, it's really important that you know your business can survive without you and that's kind of like the best mentality to sort of have moving forward when you create your own empire right yeah Mm-hmm. easier said than done though it is because you know as an entrepreneur you are very hands-on with a lot of things right you to relinquish control it, it feels like it kills you inside you know oh, man i can do a lot better but to scale you need a team you know right exactly yeah hey yeah 
So final question, how can our audience learn more or find out or, or contact you? Uh, well, um, Facebook is a good way to do that. Um, okay. and, uh, Hustle Network Facebook group, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, if you Google, you can probably find my phone number online and email too. So, <laughs> And your address? Yeah. I mean, as with, all, as with all real estate people, right? I mean, you Google yeah. somebody's name and pop up. So, you know, feel free to reach out in any, any um, medium. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to chat. Um, mm -hmm. Y'all learn from each other, so. Definitely, man. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, have a good one. All right, bye.